Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, we will continue our player spotlight on the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, including his days as a Laker, the early tough days, as well as the days of wine and roses with Magic Johnson and those guys. Also, we'll cover his post-basketball career. We'll cover all the movies, the books, all that he's done post-basketball, as well as all his accolades as well, and there's a lot. So, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, so we covered... Well, we're doing the player spotlight. Let's start there. Uh, it's Black History Month, so I have four players lined up. So we're on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We covered his high school years at Powell Memorial. We covered his career at UCLA. We covered his career as a Milwaukee Buck. Now we are entering the Laker years, so let's get into it. All right, so he gets traded, as I said, to the Lakers. And his debut season with the L.A. Lakers in 1975-76, he actually feels really comfortable because, you know, he went to school in Los Angeles. So it is pretty much second nature to him. And, you know, he's able to um, enjoy the full benefits of his spiritual conversion and all those sort of things so but on the court is a whole nother matter so uh his team in his first year 40 and 42 they finished fourth in the pacific division so um so his second straight season of having a losing record so and this is how he finishes 27.7 points per game. That's second in the league behind Bob McAdoo. Uh, Nearly 17 rebounds per game. That's first. He's first in that. Uh, Over four blocks per game. He's first there. And nearly 53% from the field. He's fifth in the league. And he has add to that five assists per game as well. So. He went, although they finished 40 and 42, he wins his fourth MVP award. So, so, um, didn't seem to matter to the voters at the time. It was a player's voting, by the way. And he was all NBA second team. And also all defensive team. Uh, he, he was first team there. So. Then we have the 1976-77 season. This was a season where the NBA merged with the ABA. So, um, pretty uh, important time in that league. Jerry West takes over the coaching duties from Bill Sharman. Bill Sharman was his, um, the coach in his first year there. Uh, Jerry West takes over for Bill Sharman. Bill Sharman moves upstairs as the executive, so... So, Jerry West is the coach. And they surprise everyone by finishing first in the Pacific 
division. 53 and 29. They do lose in the Western Conference Finals, though, to Portland. Four games. In fact, they got swept uh, four games to O. And the, that was the Portland Trailblazer team of Bill Walton, Maurice Lucas, uh, Lionel Hollins, and those guys there. So, but, um, so. They take the loss there. Here's what he does on the season. 26.2 points per game. That's third in the league. 13.3 rebounds. That's second to actually Bill Walton. Uh, 3.2 blocks. That's second in the league. And he's second to Walton. <laughs> uh, nearly 58% from the, from the field. That's third, not third. He's number one in that. I'm sorry, number one. And then just about a shade on the four assists per game. So he ends up winning his fifth MVP award. He's all NBA first team, all defense second team. So then we come to 1977-78. Um, Pretty provocative season for him, that's for sure. So, um, it gets off to a bad start, guys. And the season opener, rookie Kent Benson elbows Kareem in the game. And this happens with like in like the first two minutes of the game. He elbows Kareem. Um, oh, by the way, the Milwaukee Bucks were coached at the time. Their coach was Don Nelson. The same Don Nelson who scratched the man's um, eyeball for crying out loud. So, so take with that what you will. So, Kent, Kent Benson does this. Kareem retaliates, breaks his hand, punching Benson. And thus, with that, he misses 20 games. He also gets fined $5,000, which was the league record at the time and Kent Benson oh he never gets suspended but he does miss a game uh I say he misses a game because of uh he he was on the injured list with a bruised ego but I digress but yeah never misses a game so so he um so he misses those first 20 games and the team goes, of course, including the game that he missed the first game, eight and thirteen went without Kareem. Overall they finished forty-five and thirty-seven, which was uh fourth in the Pacific Division. So and this is the year he misses the All-Star game for the first time in his career um, because he missed those 20 games. And what does he do <laughs> in light of that news taking place? Oh, here's what he does. 39 points, 20 rebounds, 6 assists, and 4 blocks against the Philadelphia 76ers. And then uh, his next game, 37 points and 30 rebounds against the New Jersey Nets. So, needless to say, K 
Kareem was pretty worked up about missing the All-Star game. So, And nonetheless, um, so he misses it. Here's what he does on the season, guys. 25.8 points per game. That's fourth in the league. Uh, nearly 13 rebounds. Seventh in the league. Uh, his three blocks is second in the league. 55% from the field. That's fourth. And 4.3 assists per game as well. He's all NBA and all defensive. Uh, he's on. He's on the second team this go-around. So, so 1978-79, he goes 47-35. and 35. They finish third in the Pacific Division. They lose to the Seattle Supersonics in the Western Conference semifinals four games to one. So, so um, they're, they're back to winning now, but um, abbreviated finishes in the playoffs so um for the season he averaged 23.8 points per game that's eighth in the league his 12.8 rebounds is third in the league his four blocks per game first and he shoots at 57.7 percent from the field that's second in the league and he averages a career high 5.4 assists per game so uh, he's all NBA second team, but all defensive first team. So, so that's uh, that season. 1979 and 80. This is the year, the arrival of Magic Johnson. And also, they bring in a new coach because uh, Jerry West steps down. So they bring in a new coach. They tried to get Jerry Tartania, but um, if if you watch the documentary on Hulu Legacy, uh, you'll see the whole Jerry Tartanian story. It's pretty pretty amazing story, but um, yeah, Jerry Tartania stays at UNLV. He was coaching them at the time. So in comes Jack McKinney, and then. After 14 games, they lose Jack McKinney. He has a biking accident, which left him pretty much in a coma. In comes Paul Westhead. The team overall goes 60-22, and 22, which is first in the Pacific Division. Uh, let me tell you what he does on the season, and I'll, uh, then we'll talk about the playoffs. 24.8 points per game. That's six in the league. His 10.8 rebounds. That's eighth. 3.4 blocks. That He leads the league in that. 60.4% from the field. That's second in the league. He's second to uh, Cedric Maxwell of the Boston Celtics. And he averaged 4.5 assists per game. He gets named All-NBA and All-Defense first teams. So. And then he wins his sixth MVP award. And he wins that at the age of 33. And oh, by the way, that is his final 
MVP award that he wins. Just about the time I started watching NBA basketball. So, uh, so all this stuff I pretty much remember taking place. In the playoffs, they end up winning the championship against the Philadelphia 76ers of Julius Irving, Daryl Dawkins, Maurice Cheeks, and those guys there. They win that four games to two. In that series, Kareem was absolutely unstoppable. 33.4 points per game, 13.6 rebounds, 4.6 blocks per game. He sprains his ankle in game five, a game in which he scored 40 points, 15 rebounds, and four blocks. Uh, he sprained it like in the third quarter, I want to say, and then he came, uh, he left the court and then he came back and finished the game on the sprained ankle, but he couldn't go for game six. Thus, in comes Magic Johnson, who we know ends up playing center in that game and has an absolutely fantastic game. I'll do a player spotlight on Magic in the future, of course, but... Yeah, so, and then Magic ends up getting the Finals MVP award. Everybody said if Kareem was healthy, that would be another Finals MVP to put on his mantle, but that wasn't to be. But, you know something? Kareem was absolutely happy that his team was able to seal the deal. And he made it clear that if the it were to go to a game seven, he'll be ready. So, um, but Magic took care of business and made it easy on the big fella. So, um, so the Lakers finally reached the summit with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as their primary player, and of course, with the arrival of Magic, there you go. So, so a successful. First year together for Magic and Kareem. Let's go to 1980-81. As defending champions, they go 54-28. and 28. Um, That's second in the, the um, Pacific Division. Um, right above them is the Phoenix Suns. They lose in the Western Conference first round actually they lose to Houston to Moses Malone and those Houston Rockets so um, for the season Kareem averaged 26.2 points per game fourth in the league 10.3 rebounds six in the league oh by the way guys this is the last season that he has where he averages uh, 20 and 10 as far as uh, 20 and 10 double-double, that's the last season he does that. And that's this season here. He finishes with nearly three blocks per game. That's third in the league. 57.4% from the field. That's fifth in the league. 3.4 assists. As you notice, his assists start going down as Magic starts to take off. He is all NBA and all defensive team. First, first teamer. So, so that that is how he. That's how his season went there. 
Then we come to 1981-82 season, a, a season of transition. Uh, Paul Westhead is fired after 11 games. Pat Riley takes over. And when he takes over, the team goes 50 and 21. Overall, they finish 57 and 25. That's first in the Pacific Division. Of course, Pat Riley, I noted earlier, um, with the Celtics, he ends up um, in the booth. Actually, he's actually in the booth for the call on the championship game. the championship uh, year so he's in the booth there so but he moves to the sideline by the urging of Paul Westhead so he's becomes an assistant coach there and then now he takes over here's what Kareem did on the season 23 nearly 24 points per game that's six in the league 8.7 rebounds 2.7 2.7 blocks, that's third in the league, and nearly 58% from the field, that's fourth. They end up winning a championship yet again against the Philadelphia 76ers, four games to two. Kareem did deal with migraines throughout that series, so um, they were pretty bad migraines, so he only averaged 18 points. Along with 7.7 rebounds, 3.2 blocks. So, But in any event, the team was able to persevere nonetheless. So, The next season, 1982-83, uh, they finished 58-24, and 24, first in the Pacific Division. However, they did lose in the finals to the Philadelphia 76ers. They made the big trans transaction in the offseason they brought in Moses Malone as a free agent and that is what put Philly over the top so and in that series actually Kareem had a pretty good series but um, the team couldn't prevail Um, 23.5 points per game seven and a half rebounds and over two blocks so on the season 21.8 21.8 points per game, seven and a half rebounds, 2.2 blocks. That's seventh in the league. 58.8 percent from the field, fourth in the league. And he finishes NBA second team. So, and then we move on to 1984. This was a season of high highs and low lows. Um, they they would lose to the Celtics in the finals uh, four games to three. So uh, this would put their losing tr- streak to the Celtics right at eight straight um, final losses to the Celtics. Um but Kareem does in this season break Wilt Chamberlain's all-time scoring record. He does it in Game 76 on April 5th, 1984. And he does it at the Utah Jazz. And in typical fashion, he does it in a pass from Magic Johnson 
one that he shoots a skyhook over the uh, defensive presence of Mark Eaton. So that's how Kareem breaks the record. So, so he becomes the all-time scoring leader in 1984. Here's what he does on the season. 21.5 points. 7.3 rebounds. 1.8 blocks. That's 6 in the league. And 57.8%. That's 7 in the league as far as a field goal percentage. All NBA first team. All defensive uh, second team. So. But that loss to the Celtics in the finals definitely hurt, definitely hurt them and led them to 1984-85. I call it the revenge tour season. So um, they, they come out like a house of cards or a house on fire or however that uh, phrasing goes. 62 and 20 is what they go. Um, easily their best record. Um, in the Magic Kareem era, uh, of course, first in the Pac Pacific Division, and then um, the Lakers take revenge on the Boston Celtics for what happened in last year's finals. In fact, let's talk about this finals. Uh, the first game that they played. Kareem had only 12 points and 3 rebounds in game 1. And that was that game was on Memorial Day. In fact, it's called the Memorial Day Massacre where Boston wins 148 to 114. Uh, and Kareem was so upset with himself after the game. He watched hours and hours of game film and participated in marathon practice sessions. And here's what Kareem did prior to game two, which doesn't seem like much, but I think this is probably where that series got turned around. Kareem invites his father onto the team bus prior to game two. Now, Coach Pat Riley, he's known for being a stickler to following the rules and procedures and so forth, but he made an exception in this case which paid off big dividends, guys. In Game 2, Kareem had a game for the ages. 30 points, 17 rebounds, 8 assists, and 3 blocks for a 109-102 to 102 win. So, you know, sometimes you got to go against, the, against your own rules if you're going to get these type of results, so... So that's what they did. So, so they were able to accomplish that. And the four wins, here's what Kareem averaged. Over 30 points per game, 11.3 rebounds, 6.5 assists, and 2 blocks per game. And with this series win, it snaps Boston's 8 straight titles over the L.A. Lakers. So um, Jerry West at the time was in the was the executive. And you talk about breathing a sigh of relief because he's felt the pain of that. Um, 
because he was involved in six of those. So, yeah, as a player, that is so, um, so much, much relief for the Lakers franchise there. So, so, and, oh, by the way, Kareem did win the finals MVP for, um, that performance that he had making him the oldest finals MVP ever. So, uh, so another accomplishment for Kareem. Now in his 1985-86, they repeat what they did in uh, the previous season, 62 and 20 finishing first in the Pacific division. Oh, by the way, that was, that's, Kareem's 17th season in the league, which breaks the record held by Dolph Shays, John Havlicek, Paul Silas, and Elvin Hayes. So, um, so he passes all those guys with his 17th season. In the playoffs, though, they lost in the Western Conference Finals to the upstart Houston Rockets, this time with Akeem Olajuwon, Ralph Sampson, those twin towers there. So uh, they lose four games to one. Kareem on the season, 23.4 points per game. That's ninth in the league. Over six rebounds. So you see the rebounding numbers starting to dwindle. Uh, 1.6 blocks. He did shoot it 56.4% from the field. That's seventh in the league and three and a half assists. He does get named All NBA first team, so he makes that for what is the very last time. So, in his seventeenth season, he gets named All NBA first team. So, nineteen eighty six eighty seven, by far their best record. The Magic Kareem Lakers, 65 and 17. That's first in the Pacific Division. And they win the championship yet again um, against Boston, four games to two. Uh, this is a year, oh, by the way, Kareem's adds about 13 to 15 pounds of more muscle to deal with the young centers in the league by this time now. You have a young Patrick Ewing in the league. You have Elijah Warren establishing himself, just to name a few of the centers that um, started to sprout in the league. So, And in that finals, by the way, Kareem averaged 21.7 points per game, 7.3 rebounds, 2.5 blocks. So, On the season, 17.5 points, 6.7 rebounds, a little over a block per game and 56.4% from the field. That's fifth guys in the league. So, so he plays two more seasons, guys. 1987 and 88. He, uh, his team goes 62 and 20. First in the Pacific Division. And they win another championship. This time against the upstart, uh, Detroit Pistons, four games to three in a grueling series 
uh, one in which saw Isaiah Thomas injure his his ankle and he ends up playing home one leg in that game six and then game seven the the Lakers just uh took over and won the series. Kareem only averaged thir- a little over 13 points per game and four rebounds per game in that series. Uh, on the season, 14.6 points per game, six rebounds, over two block, over one block per game, 53.2% from the field. And after that, that victory in the finals, Kareem announces that Next year is going to be his last one. So he announced that after game five, not game five, game seven of the finals. So, so 1988-89 starts the retirement tour for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, the team goes 57-25, first in the Pacific Division again. So, um... Only once in the Kareem Magic Lakers um, seasons that they did not finish first in the Pacific Division. Uh, However, they did lose in the finals to Detroit. They got swept, in fact, four games to none. Uh, Kareem in that series, 12.5 points per game. 6.8 6.8 rebounds and 1.8 steals per game. So, on the season, over 10 points per game, four and a half rebounds, over a block per game, and for the first time in his career, he shot it under 50%, 57.5% from the field. So, and throughout the tour, the retirement tour, he received gifts in every arena. Um, from a rocking chair to a yacht with Captain Skyhook on it to a Persian rug. And then in his final home game versus Seattle, all his teammates wore goggles in tribute to their captain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, so guys, that is his career there. Uh, let's talk about um, what he did post basketball, and then let's see if we get through all of this, um, all of these posts basketball act, uh, and then the accolades, of course, and then I don't know if we're gonna get through it all. We'll do the best we can. All right, so leaving the game, he held the all-time record for scoring gains. Played and minutes played. I'll get into all that, all the num- numbers and so forth later. So, after his career in basketball, six years later in 1995, he starts to become interested in coaching, and he got an assistant coaching. He got assistant coaching jobs with both the L.A. Clippers as well as the Seattle SuperSonics. So. Uh, so he tried his hand there. He actually became a head coach in the USBL for the Oklahoma Storm. And he actually won the championship for them in 2002. Uh, prior to that, 
He served as a volunteer coach on a Indian reservation in White River, Arizona. And this was in 1998. So, um, so some strange times there, but that's how much he wanted to coach that he was willing to take a volunteer position on a Indian reservation. Also in 1998, he sued, uh, Miami Dolphins running back Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but he's Kareem spells his K-A-R-E-E-M, and this gentleman here spells it K-A-R-I-M, and he sues him for trying to profit off of his name and jersey number uh, because he had the Abdul-Jabbar on the back of his jersey and the 33, so. And I even remember asking the question. I was like, is this Kareem's son? I remember that distinctly. And then when I found out it wasn't, I was like, oh, man, this guy's trying to pull a fast one here. So so Kareem sues. He ends up reaching a settlement. And the young man ends up changing his name to Abdul Kareem El Jabbar and then he had the jersey name replaced and it only said Abdul on the back oh by the way he was also which which made it even me question it even more that he was his son he was a student athlete at UCLA as well so so talk about irony here guys so so that's what happened with that so, we talked about this volunteer coaching. We talked about assistant coaching. Uh, he also worked as a scout for the New York Knicks in 2004. Where was I when that happened? So, uh, and he went back to the Lakers as a special assistant coach for Pat Riley. And he, not Pat Riley, Phil Jackson, I'm sorry, for Phil Jackson. And he was there during those golden years there 2005 through 2011 he coached such big men as michael olawakande remember he was the top pick for the clippers um and then also jerome james he coached him and andrew bynum during those laker years so so uh th those are the guys he coached he wrote several books, guys. He wrote several books, one of which, Giant Steps, that was his autobiography. And he, um, the title actually gives homage to one of his favorite uh, jazz uh, artists, John Coltrane. He also wrote On the Shoulder of Giants, My Journey Through the Harlem Renaissance, which he learned about at Powell Memorial in one of his courses there. Brothers in Arms, the epic story of the 761st Tank Battalion, uh, the, the World War II's Forgotten Heroes. He also wrote a book, Coach Wooden and Me, Our 50-Year Friendship on and Off the Court. He wrote a three-book series, Mycroft and Sherlock, so he he wrote that along with Ann Waterhouse. So he wrote some, he had his hand in writing some mystery books, guys. 
he wrote another one, A Season on the Reservation, My Sojourn with the White Mountain App uh, Apaches. He also wrote, What Color is My World? The Lost History of Black Inventors. So he wrote a book on black inventors, uh, something that gets lost on us. You'd be surprised all the daily things that we use that were actually made by black inventors. So becoming Kareem, growing up, growing up on and off the court. And he also uh, wrote Profile in Black Courage and several audiobooks as well. So. Acting, acting, he first appeared in a movie called Game of Death in 1972, although it wouldn't be released until 1978, and in that he played uh, martial artist Hakeem as Bruce Lee went through the tower there, he faced three opponents, one of which was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, um, and of course, this is attributed to his study of the martial arts, which we talked about in the, um, the previous episode. So he also appeared in the fish that say Pittsburgh in 1979. That's the movie with Julius Irvin. He plays for the team where everybody has the same Zodiac sign. Um, pretty good movie if you're ever able to get your, get to watch it. If you're a basketball fan, you'll love it because it's a ton of um, cameos in there, and Kareem is among those. Airplane, 1980, and one of the most memorable scenes in that movie, him in the cockpit with Peter Graves, and the kid comes and gives him us. Uh, Gives him Flackwell. He says his father uh, doesn't think he plays all that hard. And then he gives that famous speech there. So his character, Roger Murdoch, uh, really gives it to the kids. So um, another one of those classic uh, comedies back in 1980. Fletch, he appears in that. Also, Troop Beverly Hills. Um, D2, The Mighty Ducks. Forget Paris, Basketball, uh, that comedy there. And most recently, The Glass Onion, he appeared in that. So, as far as TV, he's shown up in shows like Mannix, Emergency, Laughing, ABC After School Specials. We we forget about those, but uh, I remember those coming up. Different Strokes, he was in that. 21 Jump Street. Amen. Uh, Fresh Parents of Bel Air. He was in that as well. Full House. Martin. He was even on an episode of Martin for crying out loud. Everybody Loves Raymond. Living Single. Wow. He was in that. Scrubs. The Simpsons. Of course, who hasn't appeared in The Simpsons? Uh, of course, that's animated, of course. So it's, he lends his voice there. Fresh Off the Boat. He was in that. Uh, Big Bang Theory, he was in that as well, and countless other documentaries, uh, one of which I just watched uh, last week, Kareem, Minority of One. 
He was also a producer for a few um, films and documentaries. The Vernon John story, um, story of one of the civil rights leaders we don't really hear much talk about, but was instrumental in the um, uh, civil rights movement. On the shoulder of giants, from his book, he uh, made a documentary. Uh, Veronica Mars, it, that's also kind of a mystery show, and they kind of revived it, and he produced the episode of that. Black Patriots, um, another one of those documentaries. Fight the Power, the protest that changed America. He was in that as well. Uh, reality TV, he's appeared in uh, two things there. Splash, this was a celebrity diving competition. Dancing with the Stars, he was on there as well, I believe, in the 26th season. And he also has a, he has his own podcast, guys. So he's in my business. Uh, <laughs> the Skyhook Podcast, where he talks to former players and um, former teammates. I believe Pat Riley has been on there as, um, as well. Uh, Jerry West as well, I believe, has been on there. Uh, now let's talk about his activism, guys. It includes writing a column for the New York Times. Um, speaking of race relations there. Appearing on the Meet the Press, defending Islam against uh, those violent extremists who claim that they're acting in the name of Allah. So he went on to defend that. He wrote an essay on fair compensation for college athletes. He also spoke out against um, tr Trump's travel ban that he that he put out there. Um, I think he was forbidden uh, Middle Eastern countries. And he basically said that it's the very definition of pure evil and it's a rejection of our sacred values. So he also wrote an article in the Hollywood Reporter in support of Colin Kaepernick and actually called out NFL superstars to join Colin in his stance against um, racial injustice. We know Colin Kaepernick, who took the knee. Um, not in protest of a flag, guys. It was in protest of um, police, police brutality and racial injustice. That's what that was about, guys. So, Also, he joined Chance the Rapper in a, in a tribute um, a, a tribute to his friend, Muhammad Ali, in 2016. So he took part in that as well. As far as other achievements, U.S. Secretary of State at the time, Hillary Clinton, announced him as cultural ambassador for the U.S. And this was in 2012. President Barack Obama appointed him to the President's Council of Fitness, Sports, and Nutrition. That's in 2016. And... Uh, U.S. Secretary of Treasury, Steve Mnuchin, 
appointed him to the Citizens Coinage Advisory Committee. And that was in 2017, guys. As far as health goes, he's an advocate of medicinal marijuana use. He actually used it to treat his migraines. This was this was uh, before it's become in vogue now. So um, he uh, Kareem of head of his time in that regard. He would die. He was diagnosed with chronic myelio myeloid leukemia, which has gone into remission. He has taken a uh, medication for that, and um, thankfully, uh, he initially said he was cured. But he said um, you're never really fully cured. But he has it in check, so that's good news to hear. He was later diagnosed with cardiovascular disease, and on his 68th birthday, he had quadruple bypass. Wow. Ugh. Yeah. So, um, so a few health issues with Kareem, but he's still, you know, um, going strong, thankfully. In 1983, his house got burnt. Um, his house burnt down. He lost uh, his jazz collection. He had thousands of albums and lost those. But many of his fans actually sent him jazz albums to help him recoup the loss. And he said that really meant a lot to him. He really was touched by the fans and their generosity generosity towards him so um so kareem touched by that accolades guys let's run through those shall we um we're just gonna go a little over that's just the way it's gonna be guys his accolades include being a high school all-american while at powell memorial and college two-time ap college pl Basketball Player of the Year, two-time Oscar Robinson Trophy winner, two-time UPI College Basketball Player of the Year, uh, three-time Consensus First Team All-American, three-time NCAA Champion, three-time NCAA Tournament Most Outstanding Player, Naismith College Player of the Year, three-time First Team All-Packed Eight, so that's all his college accomplishments, guys. Uh, let's look at uh, his pro accolades. Rookie of the year, he got that. 19-time All-Star out of 20 years, very good. He only missed the one year with the way he injured his hand with that uh, disgrace of a player, Kip Benson. Um, 15-time All-NBA, 10-time first-team, 5-time second-team, 11-time All-Defense, 5-times first-team, 6-times second-team, 6-time NBA MVP, 6-time champion, 2-time finals MVP. Four times he led the team, did league in blocks. Two times he led the league in scoring. Um, one rebounding championship. One field goal percentage championship. He was 
Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year in 1985. He's first in all-time points scored. He's about to be passed by LeBron shortly. He's first in games played. He's first in minutes played. He's third in total rebounds behind, obviously, Wilt and Bill Russell. Uh, he's third in total blocks. Uh, mind you, total blocks was recorded his fourth year in the league, so that's pretty good. So he's he's third in block uh, career blocks. He's 22nd in field goal percentage all time. But I got to tell you guys, I looked at a list of the 21 guys. Only one person has more than 10,000 attempts, and that's uh, Shaquille O'Neal. So, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much credence I put into the other guys, but... I say you got to have at least 10,000 um, attempts in your career before uh, I can even pay attention to that. So, um, But nonetheless, he's 20. He's 22nd. What can you do? He was named to the 35th anniversary team in 1980, the 50th anniversary team in 1996, and then the 75th anniversary team in 2021. He's a Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer. He was named there in 1995. Uh, National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame. He got there in 2007. He's won the Double Helix Award, which recognizes um, activism and cancer awareness, bringing light to the research and so forth. And he got that in 2011. An honorary degree he got from New York Institute of Technology in 2011 as well. He won the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Uh, President Barack Obama gave him that in 2016. He was nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Narration in 2020 when he narrated for the Black Pioneers, the Heroes of the Revolution. Uh, he he ranked number one center all time and second greatest player ever. And this was uh, when ESPN did, ESPN did their rankings in 2015. He he ranked third greatest player of all time by the Athletic, and they did that last year. Uh, his his NBA rookie card. At the time, was the most expensive basketball card ever sold, and it was sold at uh, five hundred and one thousand dollars and nine. Yeah, over uh, a half a million, basically, guys. And that was in two thousand sixteen. And the NBA just two years ago created the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Award, and that award goes to the current player who social justice efforts are recognized and the player is rewarded for that each year so so that's all the accolades guys i just want to go through a few quotes of what they say about him and then we'll just wrap it up pat riley 
Pat Rowley said this in 1985, and then I'll give you a quote of his just this year. Why judge anymore when a man has broken records, won championships, endured tremendous criticism and responsibility? Why judge? Let's, at, let's toast him as the greatest player ever. So that's Pat Rowley, his uh, Lakers coach. Pat Rowley, again, he says this to Ramona Shelburne. We don't win championships without the greatest player in the history of the game who had the greatest weapon in the history of the game. The sky hook was unstoppable. Last minute of the game is going to one guy, and that is Kareem. And so this is consistent with what Pat Riley has been saying. Now, I listened to Rob Parker and Chris Broussard kind of poke fun at Riley for saying this. This is only consistent with how Pat Riley feels about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's not about friendship. It's not about anything else. It's what that man did on the court. Um, and that's, that's how he feels. So for you to take a shot at Riley, um, I don't know if you go there. Pat Riley for, forgot more basketball than him or I would ever know. So I'm going to take what Pat Riley says. Sure, it's slightly favored a bit, but um, I'll, I'll take that to my bank. Thank you very much. So that's just my rant on that. Julius Irvin in 2013 said this. In terms of players all time, Kareem is still the number one guy. He's the guy you got to start your franchise with. With Kareem, you get leadership and excellence. So that's what Julius said. Isaiah Thomas. When they say numbers don't lie, then Kareem is the greatest ever to play the game. That's from Isaiah Thomas, one of his contemporaries and uh, Isaiah definitely looked up to Kareem that's for sure uh, Magic Johnson his teammate he's the most beautiful athlete in sports he could dominate you with two hands um, Magic Johnson and he says other glowing things um, you can watch that in his Apple TV uh, four part series how he talks about Kareem as well he has great respect for him. Kenny Smith of the in, Inside the NBA Guys. Kareem and Tiny Archibald were, were his idols growing up. And he was the only player Kenny Smith was in awe of when he stepped on the court. So, Kenny Smith with a high regard for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Grant Hill. Grant Hill says how deadly his hook shot was. Surprised more big guys didn't try to do that shot. So, Grant Hill giving um, props where props is due. Dominique Wilkins also says, The sky hook was the most unguardable shot. Scottie Pippen said this, of uh, Chicago Bulls fame, You can't guard against Kareem. Kareem's sky hook. Seeing guys do jump hooks but not sky hooks. One of the greatest scorers in the game. That's what Scotty says. Michael Cooper, another teammate of Kareem's. Kareem's the greatest and his favorite player of all time. That's what he says. Bill Walton, who followed Kareem at UCLA, um, who's always had a great respect for Kareem. 
Kareem's the greatest player I've ever played against by far. So, Hakeem Olajuwon also called Kareem the greatest. And then Chris Webber had this to say about him. Every team needs an anchor. And for those Laker teams, he was their anchor. When Showtime basketball uh, slowed down, they went to Kareem. He was just the stabilizer and the foundation of that whole franchise and dynasty. So that is from Chris Webber, um, Hall of Famer, and um, also did some analyst work as well. So Chris Webber uh, giving his take on Kareem. So that is it, guys. So we went kind of long with this episode, but that's okay. That's all right. Um, Sometimes you got to go there, so. But, again, we want to salute Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And let me add this as a aside. I know they say, you know, with LeBron approaching this record and so forth, they don't really have a relationship, so to speak. But, in a lot of ways, they're both really more alike than uh, what they think. Kareem had a lot of pressure on him as a high school basketball player. LeBron did as well. LeBron didn't have to deal with the college college aspect like Kareem, but um, in terms of play on the court, both guys are as solid as they come. When it comes to social justice, both guys are well aware of what's going on in the world and not afraid to speak out on those matters. Um, so they're a lot more alike than they are different. So I just wanted to say that. And I believe it's possible that he, well, he'll break it this week. I was saying this to my son-in-law that um, I think he should probably break it on the floor uh, in at home in L.A. And it's possible he's able to do that if he scores under 36 against the Pacers in his next game. So. We'll see what happens there. But, um, yeah, I believe he'll be there. I think any way you slice it, he'll be there. He'll be close by. He'll be there to congratulate LeBron and give him his flowers. And you got to remember, guys, he held this record for uh, 1984. We are in 2023. So nearly 40 years he held this record. So to let it go is kind of. Um, taking, I don't want to say take away from your legacy, but just taking something from what you can hang your hat on. But um, he held it for a long time. You know, records are made to be broken. So I'm sure with all this talk now about him, maybe we could come to realize and appreciate what he brought. And he did bring it, man. I mean, from high school to college to the pros, he delivered big time which is why I say he is the most accomplished basketball player that ever lived so um, major props to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar still among us still sharing his knowledge man full of wisdom you you've seen it in the accolades he's written many books he's written columns he has a website as well where he does writing there as well from time to time so a man full of wisdom and we're, we're, we're just 
I'm just uh, glad to know I was able to watch his career for a little while and just to see his greatness. So, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, we salute you. We salute you and we thank you for your great contribution to the game of basketball ball overall. All right, guys, so that is it for me. Like I said, we went a little too long, but it's it's all good. It's for a worthy cause. So, all right, guys, so if you enjoy this, write, write a review. Write a review on my website or on my YouTube channel or, um, or any of the platforms you're able to write reviews and let us know how we're doing. Well, how I'm doing. All right. All right, so that with that, we're done. And, guys, we'll talk soon. Take care. So, my peeps, if you like what you're listening to, you can go to my website, www.allthingsbasketballwithgd.com. You can also email me at thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. To support this podcast, you can go to my PayPal, and that email is thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. Also on my anchor page, I have a support button there that you can also use to help the podcast. I'm on all the major platforms like Anchor, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon, SoundCloud, YouTube, CastBox, Radio Public, Podchaser, just to name a few. And also you can find me on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Clubhouse, and Fanbase. So, once again, I thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. And take care and be safe.